This is what we call a standalone message. I want to talk to the season that we're in. And it is my job as a community theologian to speak to you about seasons. And, and as a Christian, you need to be aware, you need to be discerning about the seasons we're in. So today I want to talk to you about a season. But let's read here at Ezekiel chapter 37. And I'm going to read a pretty lengthy, about 14 verses, more than I would normally read. But I want you to get the whole picture of the text. So if you would, as we read this, I want you to act as if you're in a movie theater, looking at a screen as you look at your text, so you can see what is being said. Verse 1 reads, And the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out into the uh, brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. Pull some bass in out, some low end, please. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. And again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put, you, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. Then the skin covered them or covered them over. And there was, he said, but there was no breath in them. He also said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe, breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore, he said, prophesy to them, thus says the Lord, behold my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from the graves, 
I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. So for our scripture reading today, I want to talk to you from this thought this morning, living in a season of hope. Living in a season of hope. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this preaching moment. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would be even more present with us than you already are. Sit with us, Lord. Open your heart to us. Reveal your mind to us. Show us you in the volume of your word today. Now, Lord, I pray that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, give me clarity of thought and agility of wit. Allow me to talk in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Bring me down into Mars. Living in a season of hope. As I was saying, it is my job. You can bring me all the way down on the, on the stage, okay? It is my job to tell you and to cause you to be aware of what's happening in our seasons. We're in a great season. We're in a season of movement and forward motion. Everybody say forward motion. Yeah, we're in a season of forward motion. We're in a season, listen, of being released from a holding pattern. We're in the, oh, I done prophesied to somebody, only wanted to. Bring me the other mic because I ain't going to let the devil ride today. Bring me the other mic. We're in a season being released from a holding pattern. So what does that mean? Hear me. Today is Pentecost Sunday on the Christian calendar. And it's important that you know what's on Christian calendar because it's amazing to me how many non-Latin Americans know Cinco de Mayo but don't know what's on the Christian calendar. That's just amazing to me. I'm going, it's Cinco de Mayo. You can't even say one in Spanish, but you somewhere drink it turned up because it's Cinco de Mayo, but you call yourself a Christian and don't know what happens on Christian calendar. <laughs> just let that sit for a second. Okay, so anyway, today is Pentecost Sunday, and I want you to understand the season because what happened at Pentecost Sunday is that the Holy Spirit fell on the early church. And so what happened is after Jesus comes out of the tomb on Easter Sunday, he, he meets with his disciples and he shows himself to them on several different occasions. And then he says to them, hey, guys, I got to go, but I want you to go to Jerusalem and go up to an upper room. And I need all y'all to chill out there because I'm sending the Holy Spirit. So there's 120 of them locked up in the room. The Bible says it's about 50 days. They didn't know when he was coming. They just knew that Jesus said he was coming. And so Pentecost happened, and when the Holy Spirit fell on them, he fell on them in a way that it was at that moment they were empowered to be witnesses. Listen, and when he fell on them, it was after that that they were released from that room to go do ministry. The holding pattern had been released. It's Pentecost Sunday. We're in a season of release and 
motion. Watch this. We're in graduation season. We're in a season where you come out of, of the holding pattern of studying at that level. Whatever level it is, master's, undergrad, uh, uh, graduate high school, whatever it is, you're now being released from the study at that level to go to the next level. We're in a season of release and forward motion. It is the summer season. Summer season is we, we come out of the holding pattern of our normal schedules and we start thinking like, hey, we need to go take a vacation. We need to go have some fun. We need to replenish. We need to go and just chill out for a little while because the summer season is a season where you get released from your normal routine. We're also in marriage season, wedding season. A lot of summer weddings happen. And that is the wedding season. The wedding season is the season that you get released from the season of engagement into the season of life at another level. So the season that we're in naturally is a season and spiritually is this season of being pushed forward and released from the holding patterns of our lives. I'm excited about it. Anybody excited about it? Oh, okay. I just want to make sure. Nod your head, something, child. Anybody? Just, just, just nod your head, something. Wave your hand like you just don't care. So, our text today is a very familiar text. Actually, it's probably the most familiar text in the four visions that Ezekiel has. This is the one that we have heard a lot about as it relates to his four visions. This is the one that when you were a kid, your pastor started hooping on this verse, on this text right here. He called to the wind, and the four, and the wind came, and the bones, and the knee bone connected to the ankle bone. Y'all know. Y'all know he went, he went Sesame Street on y'all. <laughs> and that's, it's this verse right here. Well, this verse is, is really interesting because this verse to me, this whole text to me is oxymoronic because when we look at where the text, the scene happens, the scene happens at a graveyard, but it's oxymoronic because there's a lot of movement in the text. I mean, there's a lot of action happening and you would think that the graveyard would be still and quiet, but there's a lot of movement happening in this text. Now this text, uh, the Lord wrote this text or spoke to uh, Ezekiel this particular text. It is designed to give hope to a people who are hopeless. That's why this text exists, but it's weird. But it is the text of hope. Whenever you feel hopeless, I'm going to help you today. See why it's beneficial to go to this text to get hope. Now there's a lot of movement in the text and the movement starts with Ezekiel. The Bible says, or as Ezekiel writes, he writes, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. Stop. This is a good season for you to come out of some stuff that you've been in. <laughs> this is a season where you can allow the Holy Spirit, Pentecost Sunday, to take you out of. And sometimes you got to ask yourself in this season, what am I coming out of this season? Or you may need to ask yourself, 
what do I need to come out of this season? Because this is the season where the Lord is shifting some things in your life. And it's really a weird season simply because the way this text is designed, it's kind of designed like the season we're in. So think about it. He says that the spirit of the Lord, his hand came upon me and he brings me out. But watch what he says. He doesn't just bring me out. He brings me out then down. Lord, I, I thought this was a text of hope. I mean, really, is this hopeful? Doesn't sound too hopeful. Or does it? Because what I'm learning in the physics of the kingdom, the physics of the kingdom is different. Y'all heard me say this before than regular physics. Regular physics says this, what goes up, what? Must come down. The physics of the kingdom is quite the opposite because kingdom physics says what goes down must come up. Oh, we're in a we're in a really interesting season. Hey, did you know that as of Friday, the U.S. has suffered 22 school shootings this year? And I, I, I had to ask the Lord, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You want me to preach a season of hope? In the midst of 22? It's only 12 months in a year. I mean, for my math heads in here, y'all do the math. If I'm at 22 at month five, the potential is to be super massive by the end of the, of the year. But I said, Lord, what is it? What is it? Why are we seemingly talking about hope in a season. I mean, our country is split down the middle. And, I, and, and I'm a little concerned in my spirit because the U.S. has always been the leader in everything. That's not happening now. Thank God our allies, Britain, the thing that happened yesterday that some of us got up early to watch. That was a major move. And so you got to see stuff in the spirit realm. That was a unifying something that happened. You hear me? They probably had more talk of the Holy Ghost and Jesus in Westminster Abbey yesterday than they have ever had in the history of the royal family. Some of them were uncomfortable because Jesus stepped in. And it speaks volumes to me that I, I kind of feel like the glory could be shifting from the greatest country in the world because we are divided. And now the royals have opened their heart to stuff they would never open their heart to. They have broken, pro they have so much protocol broken yesterday that they got protocol splinters in their feet just walking around. I mean, everything from the fact that this girl is divorced, biracial, her daddy didn't even come over there. Now the prince's daddy is bringing the girl down the aisle. You got a gospel choir in West uh, Abbey, Westminster. Y'all hear what I'm saying? We got a black bishop 
standing up there preaching at the royal wedding. And if America don't shift their focus from the foolishness within, we will be demolished from within. The worst turmoil is, in, is inner turmoil. External turmoil I can turn off. Internal turmoil I can't fix. And so I said, Lord, why am I preaching about hope when it seems like our country is going down? He said, Tim, that's exactly what happens because in the physics of the kingdom, what goes down must come up. I know that seems crazy, but Jesus says it like this. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. In order for there to be multiple, if there's a crop, something has to die. It has to go down before it comes up. Jesus goes on to say, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. And he tells him, if you tear this temple down in three days, I'll raise it up because what goes down must come up. And it's just crazy to me that I will be talking about hope at a graveyard. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That looks familiar, though. About seven Sundays ago, the body of Christ stood in a graveyard at the mouth of an empty tomb. And an angel in a graveyard said, Rejoice. How crazy is that? He says rejoice because the hope is that he is risen like he said. It was from that place that we now, Paul says, have Christ in us, the hope of glory. So let me tell you something. I don't know what you're going through and where you are today, but if you're standing at the graveyard of your life, be encouraged because there is hope in the graveyard. Come on, man. I'm preaching better than y'all responding. Somebody needs to know that deliverance can come in a graveyard. Y'all think I'm crazy? There was a guy that the Bible calls the demoniac. He had a legion. Jesus says, hey, how many demons you got in you? What's going on? What's your name is what he asked him. He says, uh, my name is Legion because we are many. There was a bunch of demons in one dude. He had it so bad that he lived in the graveyard and he lived among dead things and he cut himself. See, cutting himself is not a new phenomenon of this culture. It was an old phenomenon that the pain gets so bad that I got to let this out some way. So he lived in the tomb. And Jesus came in the midst of his dead stuff, delivered him, and brought him life. Come on, man. There is hope in the graveyard. It, it, it's from that particular text that a lot of the non-pork eaters don't want to eat pork because when the demon came out of this guy, it went into the swine. And you know, that's why they say now, you know, no swine, that's the devil's meat. <laughs> oh, I ain't got time to deal with that, that, that I want to deal with. I ain't going to got time to deal with that. The demons went into the swine and then the swine choked themselves, the whole herd. They went into the water and drowned themselves, the whole herd. That spirit ain't living in the pig no more. Bring me some bacon. <laughs> hey, not to mention, Jesus might have been intentional, Edge, because we were in Jewish territory. Why were there pigs in Jewish country? 
ain't got time to deal with it. But from the point of the graveyard, God delivered the man and delivered somebody who was living outside of their calling. All at the graveyard. <laughs> anyway, I got I to gotta, I gotta move on. So it's, in, it's in, in this crazy moment that God, the Spirit, leads him to the graveyard. Sometimes I'd be like, Lord, don't let your hand come upon me if you got to take me down. But God says to him, if I take you down, when I bring you up, I'll bring you up in such a way that man can't ever bring you down. God knows how to reduce you to your lowest common denominator to get you ready for the, the multiplication that needs to come into your life. Y'all hear what I'm saying today? And sometimes you got to go through just so you can actually come out. Sometimes you got to go down so you can really come up. So he brings uh, Ezekiel to this graveyard. And then Ezekiel says, there's nothing here but bones. Brings him to a valley of bones. Bones are, the text says, dry. The dry here speaks to their spiritual condition. Now, I want you to understand something. This is interesting because what is happening here with these bones, uh, some theologians teach that it's about this whole text is about resurrection. And I want to tell you it's not about resurrection. It's not really about the individual as much as, as it is about the nation. Because at the end of the text, he says, tell this whole nation. He said, because this right here represents this whole nation. And I'm getting ready to change some stuff in this season. So I want to give you hope. It's amazing how God brings hope to dead stuff. So although you keep saying this is dead, God is saying, I can see hope in dead stuff. So what we see here, bones are symbolic of the framework of the human body. So what we're really seeing here is that God wants to speak to the framework of our lives, of our community, and of our nation. He's speaking to the framework. The framework of it is our systems, our supports, the stuff that we lean on, the stuff that causes us to stand up. He is speaking to it right here. So he goes down and he says to Ezekiel, hey, uh, Ezekiel, can these bones live? This is an interesting question. But I like Ezekiel's answer. Because Ezekiel's answer says, you know, Lord. What he really says is, I don't know. But you know. Now listen, Ezekiel's response is crucial to us. Because in the season of hope, there will be moments of uncertainty. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I love God because he gives us the full picture. Because sometimes you feel like if I'm in a season of hope, I'll not have a bad day. Says who? I shouldn't have weekdays, says who? That's why you feel like I'm saved. I shouldn't be going through nothing, says who? I'm a child of the king. I shouldn't have no bad days, says who? You don't think Jesus had bad days? 
Jesus blacked out on people and turned over tables at church. You don't think that was a bad day for him? They whipped him with the cat of nine tails. You don't think that was a bad day for him? Often I find that your worst days come when you're in purpose. I can go on to the house right now. Y'all don't want to, we don't want to hear this kind of teaching because we want to say every day is going to be Sunday. No, old saint said that about heaven. Get to heaven and you're going to have Sunday every day. I don't know what that means exactly. Does that mean we're going to have fried chicken every Sunday in heaven? I don't know. But what I know is there are hard days down here. And what Ezekiel's response to God teaches us that in the season of uncertainty, when you're not sure, God is. <laughs> when you feel like you can't, God can. When you feel like, I don't know, God knows. So in the season of hopefulness, of hope, uh, in the season of hope, you got to take everything to God because there are going to be days when you're just unsure. I ain't sure about this marriage no more. I ain't sure about this family no more. Come on, y'all know you get those days. You just drive in the garage and just don't get out the car. Y'all go, y'all go look. Oh, so what, what? We just go in the, just pull in the driveway and just sit. My wife does it all the time and she'll text me. I'm here. Just want you to know I'm here. Don't worry. But you ain't going to see me about another 30 minutes. I'm just getting ready to sit here in the car because I know y'all in there. <laughs> Come on. Come on now. Come on, because when I'm at home, we chill, we good. When she walk in the house, all of a sudden, everybody's hungry. And I said, babe, they didn't say nothing to me. She said, I know, they never do. <laughs> they never say nothing to you about being hungry. That's like, as if I'm not going to feed them, but it's just something else. She, so you get those days where you feel like, God, I don't know about this family. He does. He knows. I don't know about this job, but God, you know, I don't, if I leave this job, I'm going to lose everything. I just don't know. He says, I got this. Let me have it. You just keep driving on into work. I got it. In the uncertain moments of this season of your life, you need to be like Ezekiel and say, you know. Sometimes you get in a funk and you be like, people, what's wrong with you? Just be like, only God knows. Because I don't even know what's wrong with me. Sometimes I'm funky just because I'm alive. Come on, y'all. Y'all don't want to be real with me this summer morning. Come on. I'm funky just because I'm like, hey, what's wrong? And I asked my wife that. I, and she said, if you keep asking me, something's going to be wrong. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. I got to go. But you got to know this, that in those moments, you have to remember, listen, that God is in control of everything. He is the alpha and the omega, that beginning and the end. Listen, God is the only one that stands at the beginning and can tell you what the end is going to be. So stop trying to figure it out yourself because the truth of the matter, you don't know. And some of the mess you in, if you knew, you wouldn't have gotten yourself in that mess. So you're dumb in that area. It's okay. Be dumb. Own it. And just say, God, I have gotten myself into some stuff. Because he says, I got this. I knew you were going to get there. I already got you out. We got out. And that's how God does. Listen, it, there's this guy, there's this guy named Joseph that had these brothers that nobody, none of them liked him because his dad, he was favored, and his dad kind of seemed to like him more than the rest of the boys. And the boys, they was out working, and Joseph was at the house, and then daddy said, hey, go check on your brothers, see where they are, make sure they're good. That in and of itself is a problem. Why he ain't working with the rest of them? 
But that's a whole nother sermon right there because sometimes favor just ain't fair. I'm starting to learn that in my life. It just ain't fair. And I'm stop, I'm stopping, I have stopped apologizing for being favored. Where you think you're going? All of us had to wait. It used to be, I'm so sorry. It's now. I'm going to say nothing to you. It's just, it is what it is. So anyway, he told his dad, he said, go look for your boys. They find, he finally finds them. And when he sees them and they see him, they said, let's kill this dude. They called him the dreamer. They labeled him for who he was. They called him the dreamer. They said, let's kill this guy. But then there was one, bro- one brother named Reuben. The Bible says, and Reuben heard it and told them, let's not kill him. Let's just put him in a pit. Here's what's amazing about that. What's amazing about that is Reuben ain't known for making good decisions. When his daddy was about to die, he says, listen, boy, I'm about to curse you because you done slept with my concubine. You don't make good decisions. But it's amazing how God will change the nature of somebody to save you before you get to the situation. Because they decided that they were going to kill him. And Reuben, the bad decision maker, said, let's don't kill him. Let's put him in the pit. And you know the story from the pit all the way to the palace. Because God knows how to get you out of situations even before you get to the situation. It's called deliverance. And we don't understand that deliverance oftentimes happens before the situation ever exists. (sighs) Okay. So anyway. uh, So he's at these bones. And he says, I don't know, God, but you know. So God responds to him. He says, hey, uh, Zeke, I want you to prophesy to these bones. I, uh, I just always put myself in these situations, and I always say, boy, I'm glad Ezekiel wasn't me. Because if Ezekiel was me, we probably wouldn't have had a book of Ezekiel <laughs> if it was me. Because I would have said to God, hey, uh, God. I don't, I don't mean no disrespect, but seeing as how you hear, why don't you speak to them? Because they sure going to listen to you. I mean, it won't be no disrespectful thing, but I mean, it's like, what makes you think they're going to listen to me just because I'm prophesying? Since you are here, why don't you speak directly to them? Why are we doing this third party communication? What am I, CB? And I asked God, why? Would you, why? why wouldn't you just talk to them? He said, Tim, because I need you to practice how to use my words to speak to the dead things in your life. Had I, he said, now come on, now this is God. Because we saw how Jesus operated when he was here. He just spoke to dead stuff and they came back. He spoke to blind eyes and they opened. He spoke. But see, Jesus, God could have just said, hey, behold. And he says, no, I need you to practice prophesying to dead stuff in your life. Somebody here knows what I'm talking about when I say practice because the study shows that if you're going to be extraordinary at anything, you need to give 10,000 hours to practice of that thing. And I don't know who's in the room today that's tired of living among dead things, but maybe you're living among dead things because God has given you a practice season so you can start prophesying to some stuff in your life. And he says, I want you to say what I say to the thing that's dead in your life. And I love it because he says to Ezekiel what eventually Ezekiel would say to the bones to start moving. But the bones understood protocol. 
the bones heard God say, Ezekiel, I want you to say to the bones, come together. But the bones didn't move because they understood he's not talking to us yet. He's talking to Ezekiel. <laughs> oh, I see this so clearly because what that really says is although your situation hears God tell you what to say to it, your situation wants to see if you're going to be obedient and say what God says. So your situation, you could come in here and hear me preach it and you'd be like, oh, that's, that's for me. That's right for me. And go home and nothing change. Because God wants you to say it. And some people in the room today need to start standing at the graveyard of your life and start practicing. Because in this season, some stuff needs to happen. If you're writing, write this down. Number one, in this season, you're going to have to listen to the voice of God. You got to listen. If you're going to start prophesying and bringing to life that which is dead. Because I love this thing. Because we discount dead things, but God never does. As a matter of fact, sometimes God waits until the thing dies to start moving. Ask Lazarus. His sisters were mad at Jesus. And God had to wait. He says, you know what? I'm getting ready to show my glory. Oh, I, I don't have time to preach the fact that Lazarus had a disease called purpose. God had an agenda called glory. And sometimes your purpose has to kill you so God's agenda can be magnified. All right, you'll listen back to this. You'll listen back to the message and you'll get it. You're wondering why you're going through some of the stuff you're going through because purpose needs to kill you so God can be glorified. Purpose needs to take you down so that God can be glorified. Because if it takes you straight up, you're going to feel like it was you. Because I sing as good as I do. Because I talk as good as I do. Because I'm good looking. Because I dress good. Because I'm smart. God says, no, no, no. I need to, sometimes God lets you be consumed by your purpose. And let that thing put you all the way in the grave. So that he can step up on the scene. People didn't like Lazarus after he came out of the grave. But his purpose was so that God can be glorified. So for some people in the room, you need to start practicing speaking to your dead situation. If it's your kids, wait till they go to school. Go in their room and start talking to their bed just as if they're in there. I know, I know, I know that sounds crazy. Keep being cute and watch your situation not change. But sometimes you got to be crazy. I ain't telling you to go out in the street. I ain't telling you to walk through the city naked like Jeremiah, but I am telling you to go in the confines of your house in a room that's empty and start prophesying to that bed. Go over, go walk on top of that, that PlayStation and start prophesying to it. That's how you get to them now. You're going to get that all in your hand and touch that controller real good and anoint it in all. When they get it, like, well, my controller's so slick. Now you be knowing in Jesus' name. Come on, come on. Yeah, it's changed now. It's changed. It ain't, it's different now. You got to hold a device sometimes and just lay your hand on the device because that's what they hold all the time. You got to start practicing. Listen, 10,000 hours of practice makes you extraordinary in your thing. Do you know what that boils down to in 365 days? Four hours a day. Only four hours a day. You scroll more than four hours a day. Come on now. You about to wipe your fingerprint off that finger. 
just gone. <laughs> your phone is trying to, you trying to get the fingerprint on your phone, your phone's like, I'm not recognizing that. It's gone. Four hours a day of prophesying to your dead situation makes you extraordinary in bringing things to life. Somebody get this in a minute. Somebody get it. So he says, I want you to prophesy. First thing you got to do is listen to his voice. Watch this. The next thing you got to do is say what he says. Watch this. If he ain't talking over the situation, you shouldn't be either. Quit coming up with your own scenarios. Stop diagnosing your own junk. I'm good at self-diagnosis. I'm normally right, though. I'm normally I am. Keisha Mitchell and me are the doctors in our crew. They call us Dr. Fry and Dr. Mitchell. But we be right, though. We watch enough TV. <laughs> we watch enough TV to be able to tell you. I know what that is. Kylene was limping around here one day, and I said, let me see what this is. Hold on. I said, baby, that's gout. She's talking about, how you know that? I said, yes, it is. I said, let me get my encyclopedia of healing foods. So I went to gout. Sure enough, it was gout. Because there's some people who eat so much spinach that it forms crystals around their joints. It was at that season that we were having, doing the Daniel fast a couple of years ago, and we were doing all these smoothies, uh, all that spinach. And I said, I told you, that's what the Dr. Fry be knowing, Dr. Fry MD. I said, you need to eat blueberries. It's going to remove that crystal from around them joints. And you're going, that's what it is. Look at y'all. Look at some of y'all. I'm like, oh, I'm going to send you my bill. <laughs> but sometimes we self-diagnose. And God is saying, if I'm not saying anything about it, you need to be quiet about it because you only need to speak what I say. He said to Ezekiel, say so and so and so. And then Ezekiel said, and so I prophesied and said. Here's the third thing you got to do. The first thing, you got to listen to his voice. Second thing, you got to say what he says. Listen, you got to stop saying what you see. Because, <laughs> see, if it was left up to Ezekiel, he would have said, ain't nothing in here but dead bones. They're so dead that there's nothing on them. They've been burned by the sun. They're dry. They're brittle. This will never happen. Come on. Stop saying what you see and just say what God says. I got to keep going. <coughs> so he prophesies to the bones. And I love it. I'm going to give you these three things that I got to go. I can't deal with all of it today. He says, when he prophesied to the bones, things started happening. The text says, and the noise started. Can you imagine? Now, these would have been thousands of bodies that were in this valley, thousands. So you know how many bones you have in your body. So imagine the noise. And the text says that when he prophesied, the bones started responding. In this season of hope, let's take the lesson from the bones. Y'all ready? Number one, the text says, that the first, first there was bone to bone, then sinews, bone to bone, then sinews. Sinew is what connects the bones together. 
So we have bones coming together and then the tissue that connects them. So the first thing that needs to happen in your season of hope is that you need to be connected. <laughs> in this society, we don't like that. You got to be connected more than your Instagram page. Because most of the people you like in their pictures, you don't even really like. You don't even know them. You know, you just follow so many people. It's like the people, I never see you talk to people you know, and they'd be like, yeah, I posted that the other day. It's like, I didn't see it. Because you got so many people that you're connected to that you don't even know, that you don't even see the people's posts that you know. Which really means you're disconnected. And in this season, see, that's why today's picnic would have been so crucial, because it's a time to get connected. Connection is the thing that's going to move you forward in this season. So it says first bone to bone, then sinews. Listen, the next thing it says, then flesh and skin. Number two, in this season, you got to be covered. You got to be covered. Listen, there is no forward movement if you don't have a covering. And I know I'm speaking to the choir because y'all here. But just because you come to church don't mean you're covered. And I'm the pastor that wants to cover you. I fuss at people. When they say, hey, I got, I got this big thing laying on the table. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? I would have been praying about that this week. I would have put that on my prayer list. You need to be covered. Stop going out here being the Lone Ranger. And then being mad when folk die in your family and don't nobody know. Because you're not connected, and there's no covering. And people at this church know that, Pastor, I go to funerals. I go to the hospital. I'm not that guy that, let me just see everybody. I fuss at them. Y'all need to be going out there, and I'm coming too. If you know before I know, go before I go, but then tell me so I can go. I believe in it, because if I'm going to cover you, I want to be there with you in every situation. If I can't come, I'll call you. I'll FaceTime you if you'll answer. I just want you to know that I got your back because being covered is crucial. I don't even have time to deal with the hand of God in your life. The apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, and the teacher, all of that happens right in the house of God where you get covered. That covering protects you when situations get bad. Crucial. So you got to be connected. You got to be covered. Here's the last thing. I love the text because the text says after all of this happened, now we have human bodies laying in this graveyard. He goes on to say, but there was no life in them. Because speaking life goes to another level of prophecy. Because just because everything came together doesn't mean it's alive. <laughs> and God says, uh, hey, Zeke, I want you to prophesy to the next level of this thing. And when you prophesy at that level, you start asking the Holy Spirit to come in. That's why the day is so crucial, the day of Pentecost. Because just because you're whole or your body, everything, nothing's broken, doesn't mean you're alive. Can I tell you something? Just because you're alive doesn't mean you're alive. Just because you're breathing doesn't mean you're alive. There's some people that are breathing right now that's just miserable. You got to prophesy to the next place because the Holy Spirit wants to come in. And God says, I want you to say to these fully formed bodies. Say to them that the Holy Spirit is coming to rest inside of them. Let me give you this last phrase and I'm out of here. Here it is. Graduation happens when you respond to the word of God and submit 
to the activity of the Holy Spirit. You want to go to the next place? You want to live in this season of hope? If you want to be released out of this holding pattern, all of this activity started when the Holy Ghost came upon him. Let me say this to you. Stop living your life void of the Holy Spirit. I'm just confused about life. Have you talked to the Holy Spirit about it? Life is just so hard and so stressful. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you about this season of your life? Stop trying to live your life without God's word and without his Holy Spirit. Those that went up into the upper room went up there because Jesus gave word to go. And then the Holy Spirit came in and caused them to do something that they have never done before. Can I come, can I come at you sideways? When we start talking about Acts 1 and 8 and they start speaking in unknown tongues, that is not the same tongue that Paul talks about building up your most holy faith. That's not the same tongue that he says that the Holy Spirit will make intercession for us in a language that we cannot comprehend. That ain't the same tongue. In other words, in Acts, Jesus, the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, came in, laid on them, and let the English-speaking people speak French. I know, because that ain't what your grandmama told you when she had on her white and her doily on her head. I know that's not what she told you. I know. I know. But the truth of it is, if you look at the text, they were empowered to speak the language of people who would normally not be able to understand them. What does that mean for us today? If you let the Holy Ghost talk to you, Grandma, your, your millennial grandchildren will understand what you say if you let the Holy Ghost use you. Mama, you feel like these kids, they don't understand nothing. They don't want to hear nothing. If you let the Holy Ghost talk, you'll be able to get through to them because that's what the Holy Ghost does. He translates. That's what he does. And if you want to speak life to them, let the Holy Ghost talk. Let them talk. One of, the, one of the testimonies of our church is that for a lot of our members that first started coming to church, they said, we joined our church because our kids liked it. Our teenager understood, they could understand everything you were saying. It's because the Holy Ghost was talking. Because at that time, I didn't know what, I would have still been talking about, about, you know, Kumo D. And they was like, them kids would have been like, who? But the Holy Ghost makes it applicable. It's like being at the UN and everybody has to put, every, every foreign speaking country has to put these earphones in and there is a translator that speaks their language that hears the original text and translates it to them so that all tongues can hear one. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Don't be afraid to communicate. Don't be afraid to speak life because if you let the Holy Spirit lead your activity, he will make sure that hopeless situations turn out to be hopeful. He will turn graveyards into army battlefields. At the end of the day, this whole nation stood up and he says, now tell them, this is symbolic of the whole nation. I'm getting ready to turn this whole thing around for them. And what they thought was going to shut them down, they are going to be able to be victorious. Here's what I prophesy right now to our nation. That if we stand at our graveyards and if we stand at the places where we're singing like we're losing the battle in our schools 
at our marriages. If we stand there and speak the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to prophesy through us, I tell you that this America will be great again because we will make God great again. It doesn't matter who you, who you voted for. The bottom line is our country has been on a downward spiral for a long time. I don't care which president you liked. Ain't none of them named the name of Jesus. Ain't none of them said, in God we trust. Well, I just feel like, you know, that's just not politically correct. Hey, man, read the dollar bill. Just stand up there and read the dollar and tell the people, I'm just reading it off the dollar. In God we trust. Just read it off the dollar. They won't think you're making it up or trying to promote something. Just read it off the dollar because that's what we like in our country. But nobody reads what it says because we like what it does. And there are some words that we are missing in our culture. And God tells Ezekiel, I'm ready to die. God tells Ezekiel, prophesy. Say what I say. Let the Holy Spirit start changing some stuff. I believe if God can do this, though, Wanda, I believe he can put cartilage where cartilage needs to be. I believe, I'm just crazy enough to believe that he knows how to go in and do surgery. I believe that through the Holy Spirit, we don't have to live with pain. As a matter of fact, I believe it so much. If you feel like walking down here, you come down here. But if not, I'll come to you. I believe it so much. Give me some oil, somebody. That I believe it. That if God can do it then, he can do it now. I believe on this Pentecost day that he's taking us from a holding pattern where pain is holding you. I believe that he can release you through the power of the Holy Ghost right now.